0: Hi, friends. David here. This is something new that I've been wanting to try out for a long time. I'm here with Gallien Mendoza, and we had a conversation on this Restorative Justice Life podcast that hasn't quite aired yet, but like in our after conversation, we got talking about The Last of Us, the HBO show, uh, episode three, and how it was beautiful, heart-wrenching, and in some ways, like very selfish AF. And so like I've been thinking about doing a uh, some kind of show, some kind of response to things that are happening in the media, the world, sports, news, um, and, you know, doing this thing, doing things like this in collaboration is so important. And for many reasons, um, you're the perfect person to have this conversation with, like, you know, welcome <laughs> to the Amplify RJ community and all of our our things. Um, you know, people have heard you on these airwaves a handful of times at this point, but, you know, you being a person who has been in the activism world forever um being a low-key prepper <laughs> and um just a nerd um about like things that are going on in pop culture uh make me so excited to want to have this conversation so uh welcome to this temporarily titled <laughs> project called the restorative
1: response of um, how are you feeling today that's fantastic uh, i'm excited this is um i'm really glad that you're building this space because i think a lot of folks are looking towards you know um, they're looking at media right now with a lens around um, how do we, you know, um, uh, shift paradigms? How do we keep our communities safe? How do I protect myself? Right? Um, how can we care for each other? So, um, yeah, really excited to jump into this with you. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And you know, for those that have been longtime listeners of the Amplify RJ podcast, this is Restorative Justice Life. We had a conversation with Felina Rodriguez at the end of last year, talking about. Um, indigenous uh, representation and things that came up in you know black panther wakanda forever and you know disclaimer here like this conversation um is not a critique of the story or production choices of the creators um because art is reflection of people's lived experiences people are limited by what they know um art reflects some ide- like, and then art that reflects some idealic like world where everything is sunshine and roses, um, isn't often compelling. And so we're not advocating for projects like that, but we're hoping that this conversation helps make connections between the themes that are present in these stories and the things that we see and how we can co-create a world where people and communities have what they need to survive and thrive. Um, if you want to get more plugged into these frameworks, the Amplifier RJ community has lots of ways for you to do that. Those things are in the show notes. Um, but let's get into it. Um, I guess we should say, spoiler alert, <laughs> um, we are talking about a TV show, uh, The Last of Us on HBO. Um, we, At the time of recording, we are through episode three. Both Kalyan uh, and I have played the video games, um, and so we know what's happening broadly in the story, but the first part of our conversation, uh, we're just going to be talking about um, episode three or, and some things that have come up in episodes one and two. At the end of the show, um, we'll let you know, but like everything will be on the table. Um, so with that, let's get into it. Thank you to Wikipedia for this uh, short summary that um, will get people caught up. For those that don't know, uh, The Last of Us is a post apocalyptic television drama series created by Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann for HBO. It's based on the 2013 video game developed by Naughty Dog. It's The series is set in 2023, 20 years after a mass fungal infection uh, caused by a mutation in the genus Cordyceps sparked a global pandemic. The infection causes its host to transform into rabid hostile creatures resembling zombies, and so this series follows Joel, played by Pedro Pascal, um, a smuggler tasked with ex- escorting uh, the teenage Ellie, played by Bella Ramsey, across a post apocalyptic United States. So, um, you know, we're in episode three of the series. We've gotten through some of, you know, how some of Joel's backstory, some of Ellie's backstory, how Joel and Ellie met, and they've made their way out of Boston um, and now are making their way across the country in search of Joel's brother. But this episode, uh, titled A Long, Long Time, um, is focusing on Bill and Frank. Bill is a survivor. Um, a, a prepper uh, who survived in his town, created this space for himself, and it follows his story with Frank, a man who he encountered um, a couple of years into the apocalypse. So so back in 2003 in Lincoln, a town just outside of Boston, Massachusetts, Bill uh, had been monitoring the ex- uh, evacuation of his town from an underground bunker beneath his house, um, then builds his builds up his fortresses, ransacking abandoned businesses for supplies and materials to build a generator, electric fence, and traps. Four years into that, while checking in on one of his traps, he finds a man named Frank, uh, who bargains for a hot meal, a shower and fresh clothes. Before he leaves and moves on to Boston where he intended to go, Frank, uh, talks Bill into playing the piano and Frank deduces from Bill's passionate singing that he has never been with anyone in his life, kisses him and the two men have sex. Three years later, Frank convinces Bill to help him clean up the neighborhood so they can start making friends. The misanthropic Bill is skeptical, especially when Frank invites Tess, um, Joel's former partner, and Joel to lunch to establish a smuggling operation. Joel speaks with Bill and convinces him to accept Frank's plan by pointing out deficiencies in the town's defenses that he and Tess can help fix. Later, Raiders attempt to infiltrate the town, severely injuring Bill before being repelled by his defenses. Ten years later, both Bill and Frank are elderly with degenerative diseases leaving Frank wheelchair-bound, and he asks Bill to help him die. On his final day, Bill takes Frank to dress in new suits, and the two quietly perform a marriage ceremony in their living room. After dinner, Bill takes a lethal dose of sleeping tablets in Frank's wine at his request, and then Bill reveals that he also spiked his drink as well, admitting that he has no desire to live without Frank in his life, and they retire to their room to die in peace. For those of you that watched the episode, um, I'm sure that there were tears flowing, big feelings coming up. Um, You know, I just summarized that in brief, but what were your reactions as you were watching this?
1: Whew. Um, As a middle-aged, single, queer um, prepper (laughs) um, who, I mean, like this was, for me, this was a a love letter to an entire generation of... um, queer folks who survived through uh, a pandemic that ravaged our community. Sorry, I'm getting like emotional um, thinking about it. It's, uh, it is it is a hopeful glimpse into how we build community um, in the face of um, such horrible violence. It's also, I think, a critique on um, uh, individualism uh, within the United States um, and especially within kind of um, the proper community. But in short this was about love and i think that's what the entire um uh, both the game and i think the show the last of us is going to be about love
0: yeah absolutely you know on the official last of us podcast they've talked about like this whole season is about that love and like what love can drive you to do, or what the lack of love or what the overabundance of love can be. And, you know, when we think about the characters of Bill, which I should say played by Nick Offerman uh, beautifully (laughs) um, and uh, Frank played by Marie Bartlett, um, both of, you know, Parks and Rec and other, and then like White Lotus and other uh, things, fame respectively what they brought to the screen was like this, beautiful representation of a love story that we don't often see. And I know, like, not only having conversations with you, but a handful of people um, across, you know, my life that, like, I think, I think one of the things that resonated with people is, like, you know, that we found love in a hopeless place, shout out Rihanna, right? (laughs) Like, in, in the midst of the world falling apart, everything crashing down, like, for two people to find each other, to display vulnerability um, in that way, in ways that, Definitely, Bill's character had never um, experienced before it was like a beautiful, touching thing in the life they built together. You know, with the ups and downs of um, you know a twenty-year relationship, arguing about furniture, <laughs> arguing about paint, surprising each other with strawberries, um, you know, and and good food, like and everything in between that goes on in a in a long-term relationship was was a really beautiful thing for people to witness, and I know a lot of people were touched by it. At the same time, like you said, <laughs> isolationist, um, horribly, horribly selfish. At the end of the day, you know, part of what happens in the story when like when they're attacked by raiders, right? Um, Ruth, uh, Bill has set up things that like ruthlessly kill scores of people, right? And those are the ones that we saw on screen, not counting the things that we imagine happen over the twenty years when we're thinking about a post-apocalyptic world. It is rather um, every man for himself, and you know we make they do because of Frank's uh, willingness to make connections like do end up crossing paths with Joel and Tess um, to build great resistance and even that relationship is really limited but it's made out of necessity and I'm curious like in your prepper but also like community uh, community being such a community driven person um, how was that sitting with you what like what were the ideas that like you were trying to like simultaneously reconcile? <laughs>
1: yeah so at the start when the we we kind of like saw the uh, the prelude to the horror of um, the community getting uh, mass murdered right yes. by the state and I remember Bill was watching through um, his CCTV and like not doing anything and being really angry mm-hmm. um, like you know like these are your neighbors these are people that um, uh, you can build with I think that it is um, in a lot of prepper communities, there is this, like, lone wolf mentality. Like, if I have enough guns, if I have enough, you know, uh, stored up food. But the reality is, if you look at any community or any group that has survived through genocide, um, through occupation, through colonization, it's only because they've built relationships with one another. They've built right relationships with one another uh, based on reciprocity, based on care. Um, And I think that's – I was a bit afraid that it was going to – uh you know for those of you that have played the game or you know know the um know how it rolls out i was uh, i was really glad that um they brought frank in to um to be that uh community builder but yeah it's I, i'm curious to know what your take was
0: yeah well just to like speak to that like part about frank right i guess like we've gotten to this point of the game and so like we should acknowledge that like, um this is different from the game where when Joel and Ellie come across Bill in the game, Frank has left um, and left on bad terms, um, was bitten by infected and then killed himself. So he wouldn't turn in like he was left with like resentment and we didn't really explore the relationship between Bill and Frank. So we didn't know all those things. And so like, this is a beautiful, beautiful take on like expanding the universe, expanding on their relationship. But yeah, I think about a lot of things like you, you spoke to right relationship and for those of you who are just listening to me talk on this podcast for the first time or on this show for the first time i'm not quite sure where this is being posted yet we just kind of just like are throwing this together as we go but you know restorative justice is a philosophy instead of practices rooted in indigenous values of interconnection right where we are yes of course restorative justice, repairing relationships when harm occurs, asking questions like what happened, Who was impacted and how, and how do we make things as right or as right as possible in order to heal, um, and, you know, prevent the harm from happening again. But it's also that building and sustaining, strengthening of relationships so we can be preventing future harm. And it's so helpful if those relationships are rooted in, I, when I define the term, like I talk about it as like equity and trust, but like you sharing like reciprocity um, that, that's so important. Right. You know, when I, when I think about Bill, the character and where he was in 2003, right. One of the things that, you know, stood out to me on like a second watch and a, or like the watching of like the YouTube, uh, breakdowns, of, of the shows, like, you know, the don't tread on me, um, uh, flag that was in his house. Right. And so like, you already know like who this person is politically. And I think like partially this is a, um, uh, like a a deep belief that I have and a helpful belief that folks um, who often are practicing in a restorative way have is like, you know, at their core, humans are good, wise and powerful and want to be in good relationship. And, you know, Bill is a white man um, in 2003 America with a very strong libertarian streak, I imagine, right? Um, And even as we, even though he and I, might not be the best of friends if I had encountered him (laughs) in the world, right? Well, in 2003, I was a 12 year old, but like if I had encountered him (laughs) in in these times, like there's probably not a lot that we could connect on, but like in the apocalypse, (laughs) um, knowing somebody with those skills and trying to find ways to connect with people like that, um, to break down those barriers, break down those walls so we can survive together would be so important, right? I think, I was going to say Murray, the actor's name, but uh, Frank's character um, is probably not someone who's very philosophically aligned or politically aligned with the character of Bill going into that space when he falls into his trap. He may have just been looking for like, hey, my group that left from Baltimore is all gone. I need help here and I'm just trying to survive right now. And so like, that's how he might've originally been thinking about their relationship and interaction, like being like rather exploitative for, for lack of a better word, but, you know, very quickly understanding, like seeing Bill for who he is, seeing their commonality, seeing their interconnection and seeing how they could help each other. Right. There's the scene where, um, Bill is serving dinner and Murray like understands that like, oh, this place hasn't really been clean. There's a layer of dust. Like I can, I can play a role here. I can, I can fit in here. I can help soften this place. I can bring beauty into this place. Like that's something that we should be thinking about when we are trying to align or like, being uh, be in coalition with folks to achieve like mutual goals. It doesn't necessarily have to end in a, end up in a 20 year romantic relationship, but like, there are ways that we can be in community with folks meeting each other's needs when they're, uh, when we might not be like 100% aligned on like all the things we agree about in the world.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, co signed to that. Um, and I think it's interesting if you kind of like note the difference, if you compare the two scenes, the two dinner scenes, right, at the beginning and at the mm-hmm. end, um, there it was, you know, Bill's house was very drab. And after being with Murray for 20 years, um, there was, uh, there was color, there was artwork, there was like plants. Um, and I think the, the balance between Bill's, um, very pessimistic practicality, uh, uh, balance with, um, Frank's. Kind of like visionary uh uh artistry and care and just like um love was like a really beautiful foil and i think it just calls us at least for me that everyone has a place in whether it's movement work whether it is um uh you know community building not everyone has to be you know this uh like a a hardcore activist um we need artists as human beings we need art That Mm -hmm. is, um, that was one of the things that I stepped away away with uh, in this episode. We need beauty and we need reminders of our humanity um, uh, uh, through pain and through uh, through suffering. And if we don't have that, then what is the world that we're actually trying to build? Because I would not want to live in the world that Bill was only living in, right? Where it's just like, I'm solo, I'm just going to, you know, go through that. how much less... um, uh, beautiful would his life have been, if not for, um, Frank, if not for, um, reaching out to Tess and Joel, um, if not for having, um, these moments. And I think, uh, to me, that was just once again, a reminder that, um, community is really the only thing that keeps us safe.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking a lot about how even within the context, right? Like you and I are having this conversation on Friday, February 3, 2023, um, You know, next Thursday, uh, we're going to air the episode that we recorded earlier this week talking about, you know, what is the one thing that people can do in response to, like, continued anti-Asian violence or violence in Asian intercommunal violence in Asian communities, right? And, like, while their problems of, like, white supremacy, capitalism, domination, like, oppression of all types are still present, like... We don't have to take on all of those things at once. Like, what is the one thing that you can do? Like, there are no capital A activists, uh, unless like you're thinking about like maybe the fireflies, like leaders of the fireflies, like in the in the broad scheme of like this universe that they're living in. But everybody has a role to play, right? People need food. People need gasoline and power. People need water, right? Uh, people need like those things that like um, Bill is really really good at finding a way to make that happen. People need protection what that protection looks like, you know, maybe is a whole different conversation for another time. Doesn't necessarily look like um, guns or somebody with a badge and a gun um, to carry out state sanctioned violence. Conversation for another day, another time. Um, but we also need people who are like, as you were saying, providing beauty, providing care, right? And like care looks like a lot of different things. And so as you're thinking about, you know, we do not quite live in a post apocalyptic um, disaster ridden world, but there are things that are happening in our communities um, on the daily that leave people in situations or like maybe leave you yourself in situations where you do need care in some way, shape, or form. You might not be the person who can solve all the problems for everybody, but you can be a person who does one thing. And I think one of the things that, you know, one of the problems with Bill's attitude towards the world is like you have to be willing to ask people. For help right in the in the lunch scene uh, where Joel and Bill people who are both lone wolves and of themselves like are very much about I'm gonna protect myself I'm gonna protect those who I care about uh, Frank in Bill's case Tess in Joel's case in that in that time right they're not really interested in building relationships but you know Joel's character points out the flaws in the setup right this wire is gonna rust um, and gonna break down. I can get you something better right? You need us, we can get you medicine. Right. Um, and Bill would never have asked for that. Right. And would have had to figure out some other way to address those problems or not, and then get like taken down by raiders or infected or some way, shape or form. So it's like both be the person who is willing to do the one thing. Whatever your gifts are, but like, also don't be afraid to ask. And like, that's really hard. I know. Like, you and I had a conversation about that earlier, right? Like, you offered care to me um, last week in the form of like food, meals, <laughs> like taking things off, of, taking a burden away from me, like not we're, having to worry about how like how to feed me and my family. Uh, but like, you were saying at the same time, like, I don't know what I need. I don't know what support looks like. I don't know what to ask for. I, I think that's something that a lot of people are struggling with um, as we're navigating these times, you know, pandemic, all, and all the things that are coming along with living in 2023.
1: I think I'm hoping what folks kind of like move from this with is we can do things. uh, We can really think locally about the change that we want to make, but without collective action, things aren't going to change. Like if the fireflies, I don't want, I'm not going to spoil anything, but if the fireflies are only operating out of Boston and the entirety of Turtle Island is still affected by, um, uh, uh, the fascism of Vedra, things aren't going to change, mm-hmm. but it's because of these smaller groups. Once they start building their collectives, once they start building this, um, uh, network and e- this ecosystem of care and support, uh, n- sorry, I'm not calling it. Well, I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, if, uh, different communities start building those, uh, that care and support, that's one step towards, uh, uh, ensuring the safety of, um, all communities. Cause like if one community is under attack, you know, all communities are, uh, uh, are vulnerable. I think that um, the, yeah, going back to uh, Bill being kind of like the lone wolf, there's no such thing as a lone wolf in nature that survives, right? Mm-hmm. Wolves run in packs. Um, and I think that the more we can see our, a sense of mutual responsibility for caring one for one another, it makes it more likely for us to survive through whatever living nightmare we're subjected to um, uh, in this world. Um, to what you were sharing earlier around, like, how do we, you know, how do we support one another? And I think it's one understanding what our own capacities are to be able to provide support and offering those. Uh, The thing that I've learned um, from uh, indigenous organizers in Standing Rock back in 2016 and Maori organizers in 2019 in Aotearoa, New Zealand, was that in the face of, um, colonial state violence, they were still able to create an entire ecosystem of, um, care, um, of, you know, there was healthcare, there was food. Um, and it's because there was like a sense of mutual responsibility. Like when folks show up and they need support, they also provide support. Like I remember in, uh, Standing Rock, um, uh, we, sh- you know, we were there and one of the aunties was like, go start chopping wood.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's, um, that's a clear way. Like if folks are thinking like, okay, what do I do and how do I start assessing your capacity first, knowing what the needs are of your community are and really starting building locally, um, help us to, you know, really reimagine and work towards a, a safer world.
0: You know, you and I are putting this together as we go. And I'm thinking about, you know, the possibilities of our conversations. Right. I don't think the fireflies are a perfect organization that we should like aspire to recreate in times of the apocalypse. And, you know, for those of you who know the video game lore, you'll know why. And, you know, no spoilers, but I'm curious, like, and I think this might be a conversation that we like, we carry on through our time talking about the show, like, what does a community of care look like? in like this uh, Last of Us world, right? Where we have like oppressive forces of FEDRA, where we have, you know, autonomous, um, you know, this is a community of two, there are other non-FEDRA communities out there in the world. Um, What does a community of care really look like?
1: I think it looks like centering and following the leadership of those who are most affected by violence, Mm -hmm. right? Those who are most um, uh, marginalized by, either the state or whatever um, system of oppression folks are um, experiencing, a community of care is one where all of us are seen as um, contributing and valuable members of the community, not just because of what we can um, Mm -hmm. uh, provide, but for the mere fact that we're human beings. Uh, Community care is based in solidarity, not charity. It's one that is power with, not power over. Um, It recognizes that I cannot survive without you surviving. And I think that's, that was one of the key things within, um, uh, episode three, uh, when Bill was saying, you know, I found my purpose. Um, I wasn't scared before I met you and it was, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm all I'm going on. Yeah.
0: Over well, and I think like, this is like a much longer conversation, but I think about in, you know, post apocalyptic times, you know, and post apocalyptic storytelling, right? The enemy is not really like the virus or. Um, you know, the zombies or the infected, it ends up being each other, right? In our attempts to like survive and protect our own communities. You know, you often think about the phrase like the strongest survive. And we actually know it's like those that are able to adapt are the ones yeah. that survive. But like in this like dog eat dog survival of the fittest as it's often framed world, right? Like like this, this world focuses on like primarily white or at least white passing characters, right? Um, who's identities aren't on the mark at the beginning of this episode, we see a black woman and her newborn child, like having been gunned down because there was no room in uh, the quarantine zone. Right. And so like these ideas of like white supremacy, um, ableism, you know, (laughs) you know, (laughs) within like, even like within this story, right. Um, Homophobia, like those dynamics still exist in like post-apocalyptic times. And when you talk about like, you know, Centering the needs of the people who are most impacted. You know who's most impacted when there's a po- when there's a zombie apocalypse, right? Kind of everybody, right? And then like, what are the ways that we make the choices about you know how to allocate resources, who to protect, how to protect them, um, how to care, right? As beautiful and lovely as like we get to see like two um, gay men grow old and die together, right? What did their lives do? <laughs> Um, other than at the end of this episode, like provide a car battery <laughs> to Joel and Ellie who are, you know, in some way, shape or form on the search for like a cure for this, this virus, like what did their lives really do to like contribute to the, the collective struggle of people who are facing violence and trying to navigate this time of apocalypse? not a whole ton, right? And Bill had lots of skills to offer. Frank had lots of skills to offer. Where they would offer those things might not have been like the Fedra quarantine zone, but there are lots of other places that they could have been impactful. And again, this is not about judging storytelling choices, right? Because these are reflective of things that happen in the world and things that like characters do and like you know we wouldn't be having this conversation without that but you know is there anything that like you would reimagine for a bill and frank story that like could have been um more community care centric
1: yeah in my in my writing of it um yeah. <laughs> will would have actually been you know very good friends with um his neighbors and would have um even though they would have been like this is a quirky you know weirdo prepper guy they would have all had you know bunkers in their homes they would because like i think they all have like similar um uh, uh similar layouts right i think that uh 2003 was um during the bush years and i think you know if we if we're taking it from like uh, there's uh, parallel timelines uh the us at the time was extremely islamophobic mm-hmm. was very um uh turning extremely ins- insular um uh i think that a lot of community i remember uh, my community, like a lot of folks started becoming preppers and this was also after the Y2K scare and everything. So I think um, uh, recognizing that uh, the political reality that was happening uh, in this, uh, in this country perpetuated by the state, um, a, be- a, a, a better kind of uh, storyline for me. And once again, yeah, not um, uh, throwing shade, absolutely love everything that's being done right now, but um, for me in my head um, would be uh, bill actually, you know, um, uh, we see like uh, that um, that op- that opening uh, shot of uh, uh, Bill looking at the Fedra trucks, but they're all empty because everyone's mm-hmm. in their homes. Yeah. And after you know, um, after Fedra leaves, everyone comes out, and that's when they start building. So for me, that's where. I would kind of diverge. How about you?
0: Yeah, I mean like as much as like you are <laughs> you work for an organization called Nonviolent Peace Force. So and I work for an organization, uh, I run an organization called Amplify Restorative Justice, which like generally tend to be like nonviolent approaches. But like there are times for violence, right? And like what would it have looked like for that community to like say, Fedra, get the F out of here. We're gonna take care of ourselves, like we don't need your support. Um, we're gonna like do this on our own. I think that's another way that like we could have gotten to this base of like hey like let's take care of each other and I know like that sounds like like the 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 dichotomy of like being somebody who cares about like a social safety net and like having resources provided by the government to take care of people with like oh no autonomous communities like like those are like two things that you have to hold in your hand at once but you know what what could that have looked like I don't think that we see that anywhere in the last of Us universe um, yeah go ahead
1: Yeah, uh, we, yeah, we definitely don't. Um, and it's kind of like with my nonviolent hat on, I think that, you know, we saw FEDRA, they had all the guns, they had all the tanks, they had all of the weapons in the world. And, um, we're, you know, if we're looking at the Fireflies as the, um, as kind of like a counterpoint, like, um, this is not, this is by no means a critique on armed resistance, um, folks need to protect themselves. How they need to protect themselves, but also protection can also look like uh, getting out of the um, the scope of um, of the state. Um, uh, there are many communities that kind of like fly under the radar of um, uh, of state surveillance, um, intentional communities and whatnot. Uh, but I mean, the, the reality is the United States loves its guns, right? Mm-hmm. I think that folks would have been armed. Um, uh, if if Bill went kind of like the, the community route, but the, the use and the force of arms alone won't ensure the safety of uh, any individual or any community. Right. Um. Without um. You know. Uh, without that social net, that uh, safety net. Right. And how do we build that on a smaller scale? How do we take the lessons learned from mutual aid groups that have been you know operating since the Black Panther started the um, the free uh, breakfast and free lunch programs? Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. This is sorry. All my neurons are like going and it's, it's, I'm, I'm hoping it's also, this is, uh, 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 eliciting, a um, like questions for folks. Like what do we do, um, in the face of disaster and how do yeah. we keep ourselves safe?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I want to wrap us up, um, letting folks know that, um, this, oh, hopefully this episode, this conversation, um, is being released today, if not tomorrow. We're gonna to be back early next week, um, summarizing you know the first half of the season. So episodes one, two, we've pretty extensively talked about three and four, um, but then hopefully after that, uh, going weekly, drawing out these themes, having these conversations about justice. Um, right now, I know for sure, if you're listening to this, if you have questions, you can get in contact with us at media at amplifyrj.com. I'll link that in the show notes. the description of wherever this is you can get in touch with uh either of us on instagram uh amplify rj or yours is um at kala k-a-l-a mendoza m-e-n-d-o-z-a beautiful um and so we're gonna sign off for those of you who don't want any spoilers right now this is your warning (laughs) bye and like now there are some things that are paralleled in like both bill and joel's storylines like that we know moving forward that like, I think would be really helpful to tease out. So if like you've watched, if you've played or watched the video games all the way through, um, you know, in the end that, you know, as much as like Bill and Joel are protectors, um, who like go to any length to protect like what's theirs, that's super toxic, right? Like the way that Bill was like isolationist and protected, um, you know, ended up with him like, "Hey, I've lived my life with um, with Frank, and like, there's nothing worth living." You know, when Joel comes to the hospital when Ellie's on the surgeon's table and is about to be killed in, in the name of research for the the cure, um, he's like, "No, this is my purpose. Like, I am. I've, I've got to protect." Right? Bill leaves that suicide note with Tess's name, but I think in that moment, Joel like. Substitutes like Ellie's name in there, like both, like hey, I failed Sarah, my daughter, who's died. I failed Tess, my partner, uh, who just died. Like Ellie's it for me now, and you know, I don't know that that person can shift out of that uh, that pattern of protection, even if it is for the benefit of of everyone. Right? Bill built his life to protect him and Frank. Joel has built his life to protect him and Ellie. Um, could that like? Is that just, like, endemic to who those people are, or is there another way?
1: <laughs> I think it is. I mean, it's like the savior mentality, right? It's not based in solidarity. It's like, I have power over you, so I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. Um, at the end of um, the first game, like, Bill not giving Ellie, or not even informing Ellie, like, do you want to do this? Right? Joel. Because, like, i sorry, Joel. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Okay. Um, uh, do, you, do you you know? Do you want to give your life and like depriving them of what they felt their purpose was? Like how dare he? And it doesn't. It, I, it, yeah, it's so selfish, and it doesn't um, take into Ellie's um, uh, into account Ellie's autonomy. Um, and for the entire world, we could have had a, um, a cure. So we also <laughs> saw that in the in the um, goodbye letter to um, to Bill from Frank. So I think it's, um, it's another kind of like calling into folks that want to be that protector or that savior. That's, we don't need saviors, right? We need solidarity. We need people that actually listen and to the show, love me. Like, I want you to love me.
0: Right. Right. And I think, you know, now spoilers for the video game, <laughs> like the last of us too, right? Like Bill, I was now you got me, Joel Go lies to Ellie about, you know, the decision that he made to like prevent her from dying, preventing her from like having the chance to be a a contributor to like a cure for all of this. Um, And she resents him for that, right? She goes and finds out the truth. um, And like that severely damages their relationship to like, again, spoiler, if you really do not want to know what happens (laughs) at the end of uh, this or like in future seasons, like Joel dies at the hands of the people who he killed in order to keep Ellie uh, keep Ellie alive, keep Ellie safe. And, you know, that whole game is about like now Ellie's revenge tour against those people. Right. And, you know, the cycle of violence continues and continues because of like saviors and because of protectionism. I think about, um, you know, everyone was so uh, excited about, uh, the original black Panther movie. Right. But like the, po- the policy of Wakanda was like Wakanda first, right. America first, like at the expense of like everybody else who's being harmed and right as beautiful as a space or a life you can create for yourself. And however you define your people, uh, can be, it's causing harm to a lot of others and you know, each of us have to reconcile, um, what those boundaries are for ourselves. Like, I think I was having a conversation, um, with Christine Jung, um, who is gonna be on this restorative Justice Life next Thursday about, you know, what I've experienced as a parent over the last couple of years. And like I have a deeper understanding and like more grace for people who like, I will do anything to protect my family at all costs. Like I even told her, like, I will like for like kids on the playground who like threaten my or like not even like maliciously threatened, but like maybe like mischievously or like curious <laughs> curiously threaten like the safety of my ten month old kid like I will F you up. To, like stay away, right? Like and that's not healthy. (laughs) Right. How do we, how do we navigate those things is a conversation that I think, you know, we might be continuing to have, like at the end of these episodes, knowing that, you know, protection is going to continue to be a theme, um, that comes across all of this. And like, you know, what are the limits of when that's healthy and not?
1: Yeah. It's, um, and kind of like with my organizational hat on, like, what we do is called unarmed civilian protection mm-hmm. um, and we practice mutual protection in communities. So it's, once again, it's really about not having that savior mentality. It's about solidarity and what does that look like in our lives for those who we um, most, you know, love and want to um, protect, but at what expense um, does that protection come if we don't actually listen to those most directly affected um, uh, by the, uh, by violence, or by the issue. So. I
0: really, really appreciate having conversations like this about, uh, like that, that connect the things that we're seeing in media, like in stories, to to our real world. Because you know, yes, they are entertainment, they're distraction. Um, it's fun to get swept up, um, and I know that's like where some people leave it, and like no judgment of that. But as somebody who like really deeply thinks about building a better, safer uh, world where people can thrive, not just survive, where we can have the skills, practices to be in right relationship with each other, um, having these conversations is really great. And so I'm so thankful for you uh, for being a part of this. Again, if you stuck around with us uh, through the spoiler-filled part, we'll be back uh, at some point early to mid uh, next week in whatever feed or wherever you're viewing or watching this. So subscribe, follow, like, review, all the things and like if you're old school uh tell a friend um you know if you've appreciated this kind of conversation anything to leave the people with
1: no just be safe y'all and we keep us safe take care peace thank you